Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Clinson, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome to episode 21 of Motor City Hoops. On this week's show, we're going to give you some quick recaps on this past week's games against Oklahoma City, Denver, Sacramento, and Portland. For the 313, we'll look into the future to see who is still on the roster as tough contract decisions start and give our top three surprises of the current season. Then we'll go around the NBA to analyze the Drew Holiday contract, losing streaks, records we want to see broken, and give our guest, Lance Caparossi, a chance to give his take on the empty stats debate. As you can hear, our normal host, Vlad Moldovanu, is not with us today as he continues to grind through his professional season in Romania. So Lance from Everything Pistons has been kind enough to join us. Lance, this is something we've talked about for a minute since you guys had me on your show. Appreciate you being here. Dude, this is so exciting just to be on, like I know we kind of talked about before we recorded, but being on the other side of this. And dude, <laughs> bravo for saying Vlad's last name. I was trying to read this for like a week and I'm like, I have no idea how to say bro, that. I'm so glad I'm not bro, in your seat. I'm so proud of myself that I can spell it correctly too without like having to look it up and stuff. Like, I mean, it's it, it's not easy. So, um, but yeah, Vlad's grinding through the season. He had a game tonight, so he wasn't able to join us. So, so like I say, Lance is able to. And so those of you that don't know, Lance hosts Everything Pistons podcast with Andrew. So he gets, like Lance just said, he gets to play a little different side of this. I'll host the show and he just uh, give his uh, opinions on everything. So hopefully he'll, he'll enjoy that. I, I am like real quick. I know we're about to get into this, but like I have a huge cheesy smile on my face. So I'm like, <laughs> this is so cool to be the guest and just be on someone else's podcast. Like, I, I mean, seriously, I love this. This is incredible. I appreciate you guys having me on. So absolutely, absolutely. Let's get into it. So we'll go through. We changed this up here in the last couple of weeks. We're, we're not going to give you the big long recaps. I'm going to give you the score. Lance and I will each give you one big takeaway from the game, and then we'll move on. So Oklahoma City Thunder game, we get a big one. 132 to 108 win right away Lance what's your biggest takeaway from this game 
All right, so I'm not gonna like for I'm not gonna just talk about a player specifically. I'm just gonna just talk about the Pistons collectively. They actually looked like an NBA team in the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder looked like a college team, and I'm pretty sure they are younger than like the Oklahoma Sooners or the Oklahoma State Cowboys, whatever they are. Down I think it was there. Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, and they're younger than them, and they looked like it. Like the Pistons looked. Like, you kind of got a glimpse into the future, I believe, and you're like, man, when this team is clicking on all cylinders, they look pretty good. So I was excited about that game, but, yeah, let's keep talking about it, man. Yeah, no, so that's what I, – I had the same thought, Lance, was I always hear, oh, the Thunder are tanking while being competitive. I'm like, well, we look like the better squad in that game. Like, we looked like we had more talent and everything. Honestly, Svi had a great game that night. And if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have even been as close as what the score was. Um, but so my my takeaway from this game was, as much as everyone talks about Killian Hayes using ball screens, I don't think we see him in enough ball screens. And then to stay with Killian Hayes, gosh dang Lance, he's an exceptional passer. Like he sees passes and throws passes. And I think even Rod Beard tweeted out like his passes have a little different oomph to him than anybody else on the floor. So- yeah. Didn't he like in that game too, he had, I think it might've been like a full court pass where he put both hands behind it and it was just, I'm pretty sure it whistled on my TV screen. <laughs> That's how good it was. So in the one comment about Svee, like, Pretty sure every shot he made was a left-handed layup. Like, I remember the commentators talking about that. Like, oh, he's really good at finishing with his left hand. Where did this come from? So, shout-out to Svee, former Detroit Piston. But, yeah, Absolutely. you're right. Killian Hayes, an incredible passer. And I think you're right, too. He does need to be in, like, more pick-and-roll situations. Like, I feel like... Even though his turnovers were high when he was coming over from Germany, I absolutely loved it because he told me that a coach was allowing him to kind of work through it and allowing him just kind of read and, you know, dictate where the ball goes on the offensive end. And I want to see him do more of that in Detroit. I want to see him in more ball screens, like set him up for success, you know, like yes. put him in a situation yes. where he can succeed. I, I, I completely agree. I, I think well, we're going to get more into this later, but yeah, I, I think – it's nice to see the ball in his hands more. I feel like the ball has been in his hands more in transition, off a rebound, even off a made shot by the other team than what we saw the first seven games when our roster was vastly different. So um, let's keep moving ahead, though, because like I said, we're, we'll get into a lot of this stuff in the 3-1-3. So then the next game, the Denver Nuggets, um, a 119-134 loss. What, what was your takeaway here? I, 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 I have a feeling this might not be about the Pistons on your end, Lance. It's not about the Pistons at all. It's 100% about Nikola Jokic. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. He is the MVP of the league. He looked like the MVP. He just looked like he was heads above every other player on the court in this game. Like there was just nothing the Pistons could do. And he just – didn't he have like – did he have a triple-double in this game or am I misremembering that? It was close, and you're right. That man, I'll tell you, I've I haven't been to a whole lot of NBA games in person, um, but I got a chance to watch him go to a Denver Nuggets game, and he was impressive, man. So he he only had eight rebounds, only eight rebounds to go with his 27 points and 11 assists. So, but he, because he doesn't do it with anything spectacular. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no over. I'm not. This isn't a knock on like LeBron or guys that are physically gifted in that way. But there is something kind of cool about a guy like Jokic, who's 
not super bouncy, not super strong, you know, doesn't even look like he should be able to do some of the things he does. And he just, excuse me, dominates the game. And you're right, Lance. I think he is the MVP of the of the league right now. Let me just say, I can go on Saturdays to a church league basketball game and find <laughs> more guys that look like Nikola Jokic than I can that play and look like LeBron James. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there's just not many athletes walking around the planet that look like LeBron James. No, there's not. That's uh, um, So my real quick takeaway, I, I put this down. Like, There's a pretty good trend, Lance, of teams resting their star players against us. So I know Jokic is the star, but Jamal Murray didn't play in this game. And I just it, it kind of hit me. It's like every night we play somebody, I'm like, huh, you know, AD's Anthony Davis isn't playing tonight for the Lakers, you know. So and so is not playing for who? Like it just, I kind of feel like uh, I feel love like, our Pistons, but people feel like they can rest some dudes whenever Detroit's coming to town. Do, well, as a fan, do you feel like you're getting shortchanged when you're playing against some of these teams because you don't get to see the best players available? Yeah, like, and I don't know where I that that's a whole. Next time we have you on, we need to make sure we put that in the around the NBA segment because that's something I would like to talk about more. Because I don't know how I feel about that. You know, guys resting is it their obligation to play? They're making a lot of money. It might be the only chance you get to go watch a game. But yeah, if I if I was going to go to watch a Nuggets game and Jokic didn't play, or if I was going to watch a Warriors game and Steph wasn't playing, it would I would. That's why I bought the ticket. Exactly. What are like? What's more? What are, what piston though stood out to you in this game? Before we move on, I want to hear your take on some of these other guys, some of the maybe even some of the rookies. Yeah, so I think Saban Lee doesn't always score the ball a lot, but he continues to put together good games. You know, like assists, just plays well. I mean, nobody loves Isaiah Stewart more than I love Isaiah Stewart. And then I'm gonna give you I'm gonna oh <laughs> and then Corey Joseph I know he's not a rookie he's a, he's a vet but he takes a lot of heat I feel like on Pistons Twitter Lance I think he's a solid player I understand why people don't want to see him on the floor because he doesn't fit the timeline he probably won't be on the team next year but I think he does quality things for this team as well. Oh, I do too, and I we're and I know we're about to get into the next game that he had, but I I really do love Corey Joseph, and I think he's a solid basketball player. I think if this team wasn't so young, I would love to see him continue in that backup role for the Detroit Pistons because over the years, especially in like the past decade of watching the Pistons, we had Ish Smith, we had Will Bynum, and they were fun, but we haven't had like a real true backup, knows his role, knows how to play the game, can hit shots when you need them, can come in and play, give you quality minutes. The Detroit Pistons haven't had that since the going-to-work squad with Lindsey Hunter. And it's just nice to see a guy like Corey Joseph who, you know, I mean, yeah, he's never going to put up big numbers. He's not a guy that is going to be in the MVP consideration and, you know, or he'll, he'll never even get his jersey retired. But he's a solid pro and he knows how to play the game. And I have a special place. There's a special place in my heart for guys that just know their role on a basketball team. And I just want to give Corey Joseph props. and I'm glad you brought him up as well. Yeah, and so to transition to the King, Kings game, you know, the revenge, Corey Joseph revenge game, which we win 113-101, and he had some dagger, he had two dagger shots in the fourth quarter, you know, for us to close that game out. So you're right, great for Corey Joseph. 
here's what I want to tell Pistons fans real quick, and then I'll let you get your t- your biggest takeaway on this game. We're doing right by Corey Joseph by playing him, Lance, because we're not going to keep him next year. And if we just set him on the bench, then we're costing him money in free agency. We've talked a lot about this on this show of doing right by players. Derrick Rose to the Knicks, buying out Blake Griffin, etc. And it, 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 it matters. It's good karma. Other players in the league see it. And I think that's part of why Corey Joseph's getting to play to help him get a contract after this season. So I just want to put that out there that... That there's there's it'll come back it'll it'll come back we'll get a return on it eventually so all right the Kings game well what's your big takeaway Lance um so my biggest takeaway from this game is just Killian Hayes's confidence it this was the game where he had I think 11 points yeah um, career high I think in points yep which is funny to say 11 but he looked good he got a huge block on Tyrese Halliburton then he came down the court and had a step back three which dude i didn't even know he could make i didn't know he could do that so just to see his confidence the way and it wasn't even just the stats that he was putting up it's the way he commanded the offense the way he was firing passes in there the way he was just dribbling and playing defense and wanting to pick up on the next guy there is just like killing hayes i know it's a small sample size but i really do feel like he's starting to kind of find his role in the NBA as a starting, well, as a potential starting point guard for the Detroit Pistons. His confidence is the one thing that stood out most to me in the game. Absolutely. And you can, I think, you know, no, from the first seven games to, to now, you can see a difference in the way he plays. I feel like you can tell a difference in the way he moves, like just the way he plays on the floor. And again, we'll talk about this some more in the three-one-three. But you're 100% right, and this was this was a very exciting game um, for Killian Hayes, um, especially going against Tyrese Halliburton, who a lot of Pistons fans, as you know, have been preaching, "Oh, we sh- we missed on Halliburton. We should have taken him over Hayes." And it's like, just give it a couple years before you start making those things. So, my biggest takeaway, Lance, I feel like I'm the negative guy on this this show sometimes, but. Are we the worst fast break team you have ever seen in the NBA whenever we have numbers? Because you know, I've, I feel like we blow a lot of three-on-two, two-on-ones. And it started with DeLon Wright. And I don't know that we have anybody. I know he's not here anymore. But I don't know that we have anybody that's gotten a whole lot better at it. Are you referring to the Dennis Smith Jr. Seiko running yeah. into each other? Like, yeah, that's... Yes. First of all, that was <laughs> hilarious. And, yeah, no, and I, and I think you're right. I think guys... Um, I think what I think what happens, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but um, guys get overly excited because the minutes have been so inconsistent for some of these guys that they want to make the most out of their opportunities, especially running in the fast break where they can get an easy basket, you know, or they can make an easy play. So I think that has um a little to do with it, but also we just have kind of weird lineups out there. Like not every like we have lineups where you're like. Man, if this, like, if Diallo was in with Seku and Killian Hayes, the fast break might be better. But instead, we have Okafer in and we have, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. doesn't always seem like the best lineups are out there to push the pace. They just don't no. all fit together. And, and chemistry is an issue, right? And oh, I absolutely. Think, you know, and 
talked about this a lot. I talked about this today in my group chat about the 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 Net, Brooklyn Nets. You know, they got blown out by the Lakers, and it's you know chemistry, and they haven't played together. So, but I think that's part of it too. And and there's a lot of that in the in, on a fast break, on a two on one fast break. You got to know what your teammate's gonna do. You know, are you throwing the lob? Are you throwing a bounce? Is he going to the three point line? So there's so many little things, but it just does get frustrating at times to see us not convert in those situations. Um, but let's go ahead because we I know we got a lot to get to. So the Blazers, a 103-118 loss. I just want to say before you go, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are really freaking good, Lance. So, but what was your big takeaway from this game? Let me second that. They are really freaking good together. And it's sad that they are in such a great era of basketball because I feel like if they had been in any era, They'd be really, they'd probably be competing for NBA championships because that backcourt is just so good. Um, but my biggest takeaway, I actually have two, and so you know, not one but two. Seiko, That's allowed. That's allowed. Thank you, thank you. Seku responding to Dwayne Casey in a positive way. He finally got some minutes and he played like he looked rejuvenated. He looked like he could smile after every basket. He just responded with the big minutes and I was really happy to see Seiko do that. I know I've been very critical of him on the Everything Pistons podcast, but I was really proud of Seiko. But then my other second biggest takeaway is Killian Hayes defense on Damon Stoudemire. Not the entire game because I know he got into foul trouble, I believe, and had a couple costly turnovers in this game. But man, he didn't give up. It would like there was a screen, I believe, that was set, and he was a couple steps behind, but he recovered really well, and he was able to get his hand up and force a bad shot from Damian Lillard. And there's not a lot of players in the league that force Dame into some bad shots and make him miss, especially with like, you know, a foot of defense. But Killian Hayes did it, and that would probably like his defense, I think, is gonna be phenomenal in the next couple of years for the Detroit Pistons. I think some of which I'll get to this in a second. Some of his offensive struggles early, I think, have masked how good he can be defensively. So it's good that now that he's playing better offensively, he's getting more credit for those defensive stands he has. Um, I just want to point out that you dropped a Damon Stoudemire in case in, <laughs> instead wow. of a Damian Lillard, but wow. I think it's awesome because Damon Stoudemire that that's a great pull. So um, so it, it's okay. But. Real quick, so I went to a Portland Trailblazers game at the Moda Center probably like four years ago. It was a playoff game against the Golden State Warriors. Um, Draymond Green almost had a triple-double. Klay Thompson, I think, had like 36 points. C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard both went off for 30-something. An incredible game. I wore a Mighty Mouse t-shirt and nobody got the reference. And if you're he like, has a tattoo, right? Yeah. And you know, okay. So he does. And I actually also got a Mighty Mouse tattoo on my right <laughs> arm as well, because I, I'm a huge Damon Stoudemire fan. And you know, we're both around six foot, you know, we're bushes in a game of trees. So <laughs> I definitely have to, uh, you know, so if I don't say Damian Lillard, I, it's no disrespect. I just love, Damon Stoudemire. No, so. that's awesome. I thought it was a great pull. That's like I just not a name I've heard in a while. I liked his game, Lefty, and I was like, that's the first. I think of the the tattoo. The first thing I think of. I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's right. But okay, so before we go the three one three, I do want to say what you brought up on about Seku because I'm very hard on Seku. I've been hard on him on Twitter on the podcast. I mess with this version of Seku, Lance. And again, credit to one, credit for Dwayne Casey for setting him 
and saying like because he was pouty before all this and credit to Sekou for responding like that's how professionals conduct their business I think um Sekou I don't want to I mean I talked about this a little bit today I feel like like every young every time like in every young person's life we finally start to figure it out well hopefully we all start to figure it out where it's like not everything in life is going to go our way. We have two ways to respond to it. It's we can either be upset and blame everybody and go out with the victim mentality, or we can respond in a positive way, put our head down, continue to work. And I really hope um, Seku has chosen to put his head down, go to work, and hopefully he capitalizes on this game that he just played. So absolutely, I'm rooting absolutely. for him, man. I really am. Even though I'm critical, I'm still rooting for the kid. Absolutely. And that's what... I put out a tweet, you know, I said, can we play the middle ground a little bit more with Seku, you know? And so we'll leave it at that, but you're right. Like, hopefully he's found it. So, all right, 313 Lance. So the first thing we're doing here for our listeners is we're making some tough roster decisions for this team based on who will be on the roster after the All-Star break in the 2022-2023 season. So for our listeners, that's essentially two years from now. And so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give Lance a player. I'm gonna explain why the decision would have to be made, and then Lance first, and then I will tell the, you guys whether we think we'll, they'll be on the team two years from now, after the all, essentially after the trade deadline is what I should say, not the All Star break after the trade deadline. So, Lance, first guy, Jeremy Grant, who would be on an expiring contract. His contract would expire at the end of the 2023 season. Is he still on the Detroit Pistons after the trade deadline? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say no. And do I? You want me to give a reason why? Yeah, you can give a short reason. Okay. And I, oh man, I've I've talked about this before. I just think Sadiq Bay has been better than advertised. Exactly. And one of the I forget which game it was where him it was against the Denver Nuggets. Only him and Jeremy Grant played. They played well. They were getting. I think they had like they fifty buckets. something. Seven. Yep, they got Fifty-seven. Buckets. They got fifty-four buckets that game. Fifty-four and three quarters. And you were tweeting out. I think you were up. We're, we're, I think it was you that was upset that they didn't get to play the fourth, right? Yeah, because I wanted them both to go for career highs. Yeah, thirty. <laughs> 30 yeah, because I think they could have each had thirty. So. I think so, yeah. And I think, well, I don't even remember too much about the game, but I do know that they were close. But I do think Jeremy Grant will be traded because I think Sadiq Bey will take over as that number one option on the offensive end. I mean, he has shown flashes of being a three-level scorer, and he's very efficient. And I think that game kind of proved where, you know what, he can carry this offensive load. Even as a rookie, he's shown flashes that he can do it. So I think Jeremy Grant I completely gone. agree. Unfortunately, I, I just don't think he fits reason, in with the rest I of you know, with the team. I can start to see Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant as not the same player, but the kind of redundant, I guess is the word I, I like to use. And I, I think Sadiq Bay's improvement, just like you said, has made is it going to eventually make Jeremy Grant expendable, and I think we can trade him to help us out in another spot where maybe another position like the two guard or something like that where where we need some help. So I'm right there with you on Jeremy Grant will be traded bef- before the trade deadline that year. All right, next piston up, the my favorite Detroit piston, current piston Lance from Duke. Mason Plumley, who will also be on an expiring contract in the 2023 season, at the end of the 2023 season. Piston, not a piston. (laughs) 
So I don't know if your listeners <sighs> could tell that sarcasm you just dropped, but uh, I really am a Mason Plumley fan, and this is so difficult for me. But I think he'll be traded, and and the reason is is he's he'll be he'll still be a valuable piece that makes sense on a contending team. I don't know how good the Pistons are going to be in two seasons. I know that Mason Plumley will still have a little bit of value as a. Bigger piece that, you know, he's not great at anything, but he can do a lot on a basketball court. And, his you know, post, his, his, his post isos and his, his mid range um, shots. You know, his like, reverse slam dunks that can help a contending team. So I think he gets traded. Stop. <laughs> I oh, absolutely. Bro, maybe he'll develop no, a three point shot no, at that you, point. That's a lie. That's cap. As my high school kids say, I that's believe cap. in him. Um, Mason Plumley, I actually, I don't know why I, put, I say he's not traded, but he leaves in the off season. And as much as we joke, I do get, I try to give Plumley the credit he deserves. I do think he's a quality center, as Vlad loves to point out. He's on a great contract, and so I really don't have any beef other than the fact that he played at Duke and he can't shoot a lick. But he he does do good things. You're right. But I actually don't think he gets traded. I think he leaves in the offseason. And some of this is all going to play in together. But I think the roster, again, makes him expendable. So essentially, we have the same answer there. Next piston, Josh Jackson. So this one is the first one that's a little different, Lance. This means that Josh Jackson would have got a new contract after the 2022 season. So he'd be on the first year of a new contract that he's currently on. He would have to... He, yeah, he... He would, yeah. After the 2022 Ooh, season, he his contract's so he, up. So this so he means he would resign. have a new contract and be resigned by the Pistons. Oh, I I'm gonna say he's gone just because him and well, we don't know what they're gonna do in the draft, but also I think having Diallo on the team makes him expendable. But also I think Frank Mason will be resigned, and he has been shooting lights out. And I think he's starting to find his role as an off-the-bench score, which I think would have more value than a guy that is streaky, who hasn't quite developed the same kind of stroke from the perimeter. As me, and I just think Frank Mason I don't mean to call and Hamid Gutiago as much combined as I love Frank can do Mason what as a KU Josh guy, Jackson can as well. You're talking about Frank Jackson. <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing because we've talked about this before, oh about you gosh. always wanting to call wow. him Frank Mason just, okay, you know, yeah. just because. So. <laughs> I have no, and which is, and you know what's nuts because like I actually watched a lot of Frank Mason in college, but yeah, I am talking about Frank Jackson. I keep tweeting out almost every game that he's becoming a sniper. <laughs> I do believe it. So no. everything I said wasn't for Frank Mason, good, but it man. was for good. Frank so, Jackson. No, I, and I I'm with you on Frank Jackson. That's he, two names he that has I've done been, way I've more than what so I anticipated him doing for this team. And so for me, for Josh Jackson, I have him saying on the team on a team on a team friendly contract. I think he's a second unit wing. I think he's going to stay in Detroit. I think he I don't want to say owes, oh, that's the wrong word. I think he's a he's appreciative that Troy Weaver in Detroit gave him a you know a chance to resurrect his career. Uh, he's a Detroit guy and so I think he stays on, understands his role, and I think he 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 provides a good role for our team moving forward off the bench. So I actually have him staying on a team friendly contract similar to what he has right now. So uh, a little difference there for the first time. Hamadiallo, okay? This again means okay. he would have a new contract um, if Hamadiallo is on the team in 22-23. So where do you have Hamadiallo? Um, 
he's going to be here on the team, and he'll either take sure. over the role as spark off the bench in the Josh Jackson role, or he'll be starting. I think it's one or the other. I think they brought him in for a reason. It was an incredible trade from Troy Weaver, but I do think his future his future role depends on what they do in this year's draft. So I'm going to go ahead I and say agree. he and will so this be is where that Josh Jackson type off Lance. the bench, or he'll be if the starter. If we draft, for say, Jalen Green at the two, then Diallo goes to the bench, then I think that makes Josh Jackson – you know, maybe not with the team. So uh, everything you said, I agree with 100%. And I do think we traded him for him for a reason. And I think, you know, he's obviously a Troy Weaver guy and a guy Troy Weavers we're going to want to keep around. All right, next one. Okay, uh, probably the most polarizing piston on the roster, Lance. Seku. And Seku would be on a team option. So that means the team would have to pick up the, the fifth year rookie option for him to be on the team at this point. Still, yeah, yep. Man, he'll be like, what, 22, 23 years old when this happens, too? Oh, he, he's totally staying. I don't even care if he's not a Troy Weaver guy. He'll be on the team for the team option. And, I mean, I don't know what role he'll play. Like, that's still up in the air because he's been so inconsistent. I know the minute's been inconsistent as well. But I still think that they're, he still has a future with this team for the short term, and they're going to give him as many opportunities so this is another one to we're gonna disagree live up to that 15th draft and spot as they you can. Make I up think a he good, stays in Detroit. You bring up a good point. Not make up. That's not fair. You bring up a good point. Okay, he The team option is not going to be very much, and so it's probably not going to cost Detroit a lot to keep him. I actually put in my notes that we had turn it down because of Tyler Cook and not being Weaver's guy. But man, then the last couple of games he's played so well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna waver a little bit here. I'll stick to my guns and say he's not. But I can definitely see where you're coming from with the taking the team option and not wanting to give up on a guy, whether Weaver made the pick or not. That was a 15th pick in the draft. So um, we'll see where we're at on this. So uh, this next one, I just thought it would be fun. He we don't talk about this guy. I'm not sure we've ever mentioned his name on the podcast. I like to tweet it out anytime he gets a. Uh, Garbage time three-pointer. So Servetus. Servetus would be on his expiring contract. Do you see Servetus in the long-term future of this Detroit Piston team? Oh, man. I want. I would love to talk about this in the offseason because I want to see him in the summer league. I want to see what he can do with big minutes. And it's a tough call just because, again, like he's not a Troy Weaver guy. He has nice size for a perimeter player. But I was looking up his numbers when he played over in the Euro Cup. He averaged like six points or less. So even though he was drafted, he hasn't really like there. He was drafted like strictly based on potential. I don't know what his other stats were in any other league other than the Euro Cup because that's what was available, you know, for me that when I just did a quick little Google search. So uh, I just want to see him no. in the summer league. I think the dude has game. There's a reason they haven't cut him yet because I don't think his contract is that big, but. I just, ooh, I don't know. That's a tough one to call. That's a tough one to yeah, say. This, I, I don't think he's on the team, though. He can. You know how hard you know, it is to come in in the situations he comes in and make shots whenever you've been sitting there all game and you don't even know if you're going to get a play or not. So he can definitely shoot it. But, man, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot else to his game. And I realize it's small minutes. But like you said, you looking up the you know some of the stuff in the Euro Cup. So... I think he's on the team, but I think he'll he'll leave in that offseason. Um, 
And what I was looking sure. for real quick with Servetus when I was looking up his stats, I was wondering, I'm like, okay, is he like a good rebounder? Is he a playmaker? Yep. Like the only thing that I thought was really interesting was that he was six foot eight, six foot nine, playing as a guard. So I think there I is something there. All right, here's, I just here's the don't most think fun one. He finds it in and the NBA. Word on the, the street, Lance, is you have a surprise for me with this one. So I, I, I want to. We're gonna get right to you. Who, what 2020 rookie from this next draft will be on the team? So essentially I'm asking, who do you think Troy Weaver is going to pick in this year's draft with our first round pick? Okay, I hate to say this, and I don't want to say this with confidence, but I'm going to say it with confidence. The Detroit Pistons will not draft in the top five this year. And I think if they don't, if they fall out of the top five, they're going to get Cade Cunningham, Light and Scotty Barnes from Florida State. That's who I think they draft. I'm looking up his numbers, and he definitely does not shoot the ball at the same rate or the same clip as Cade Cunningham. He didn't score as many points yeah, either. They, but they he's on a really a talented yeah. Florida State team where I think they went like nine deep in the tournament or something. But he averaged 10 points. Four or five rebounds, four or five assists. He can kind of do it all. And I think he would be, and he's only like 19 years old too, as well. Like he's just as young as the rest of these guys, but he's also six foot nine, 227, 230 pounds. I think if the Pistons fall out of the top five, they're going to look for another kind of multifaceted guard forward where he can play multiple positions and. Yeah, I think he fits the bill because there was rumors last offseason around the draft that the Pistons were interested in Patrick Williams, who I also believe played at Florida State, and he fits the same kind of criteria of a Scotty Barnes, like just a well-rounded guy. Couldn't shoot the ball well in college, but did enough where he was still drafted inside the top five. And I think Scotty Barnes, I think he would be going in the top five if this draft class wasn't so front loaded. Yeah, it's so loaded. Why you gotta so, break everybody's yeah, heart with Scott that, man? Like, why can't we just be po- top five? I'm that's usually the pessimist around podcast. here, and you gotta bring the fall out of the top five talk. <laughs> They're just playing. The Pistons <laughs> are just playing so well right now, like so well for a for a tanking team, I should say. But like, we just rattled off like two wins that they just had out of four games. We haven't even seen that all season, so they look like they're picking up steam. I don't know if the, it's because teams don't want to play their starters the against us or whatever, you have but to I just believe feel like we're going to fall. The basketball the gods fall out of the top will five. take care of us for doing this the right way. That's what we have, all have to believe in. I do. That, but that we're not like complete tank, like try to purposely lose games, and by competing and going out there every night, that they're going to reward us with a top three pick, which, <laughs> hey, I, I will tell yeah, you this. Going to reward us with uh, Scotty Barnes. As exciting as the top five is. He'll probably be the best is, player out of this draft. The, the, from six to 20 in this draft is insane. Whenever you look at mock drafts and big boards and stuff, the, the rankings are all over the place. Like you'll have Corey Kispert at number seven and one, and then number twenty and another, and then James Booknight is somebody's favorite, and then it's Keon Johnson. Like all these dudes all over the place. So I'm juiced for this draft just in general. But man, it's gonna be crazy even after those those five. You know, I think that top five is pretty solidified. But even after that, it kind of turns into the Wild West with with who's left. So. And you and you're 100 percent right. This 
draft class sure. is crazy. Because, like, one of my personal favorite players yep. from the University of Michigan, Franz Wagner, in some mock draft, I see him going as high as number seven, but then I see him falling outside of the top 15. And he's a super talented player in himself. Hopefully the Pistons don't draft him because I don't think he will. <laughs> so I'll just give mine real quick. But we, I do think Scotty uh, Barnes. I think could, we're going to take Evan Mobley. I'm gonna keep I, stick with my I edge, wouldn't so. necessarily. I'm not going to get into all of that, so we can get into some other stuff here. But I just think Troy Weaver likes bigs. It was a joke all off season about centers and all that stuff, you know. But I do like the combination of him and Isaiah Stewart playing together. So I think that is exciting. I, I wouldn't hate it. I would rather have Cunningham, Suggs, or Green, but I think, I think deep down, I feel like we're going to end up with Evan Mobley. Yeah, and let me just say for your guy, for your listeners as well, if we do draft in the top five, we'll say if we do, if the Pistons do get the number one overall pick, I'm with you. I think it's Evan Mobley over everybody else. I, I'm going to go ahead and I don't know if that's what you're exactly saying. Yeah, I think but so. I, think I could Evan see Mobley them taking him at one. I think whenever I t- wrote this, this I was thinking like at number two, you know, five. like or three or something like that. But I could see them taking Mobley even if we end up with the number one pick. So, all right. So that wraps up who's on the roster here in a couple of years. I want to come back to here and now, Lance, for our top three surprises of this season. And let's do this in alternating fashion, Lance. So I'm going to let you give your number three, then I'll give mine, then two, then one, and we'll just go back and forth. And so I'll let you start. What's your number three? Of your three, what's your number three surprise of this season for the Detroit Pistons? I got to say, I do love the snake draft format that we're about to do, but oh. my number three surprise of the season, it's Blake Griffin and how he disappointed me throughout the year. See, I, I've, I've said this and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I am, but he was one of the last players that I thought you gave me a great word, by the way, the other day, sandbag it. I there, there's, I never thought he would have done that. He always seemed like a guy that it's going to give it his all, whether he has that cast on his knee or not. And after watching him in Brooklyn, dude, he finessed the Detroit Pistons, and it hurts. And that would be my biggest, my third biggest surprise of the season, just because it hurts. I believed in him. I defended him all year. I was telling people like, yo, man, he's going to get it back. Don't worry. We may not see 18, 19 Blake Griffin, but this man will be dunking soon. I was okay. right. Unfortunately, I it's Brooklyn and it hurts. Here, or maybe so just giving away that's what I'll say about I will Blake talk right more there. about that here shortly. So my number three, Lance, is Jeremy Grant. I think he, I don't mean overperformed in the fact that like he's playing above what he's actually capable of. I'm just saying he's overperformed in terms of what my personal expectations were for him. On this podcast, we, we had this conversation before the season on who we thought would be the Pistons leading scorer this year. And obviously we thought Jeremy Grant, but we really thought Josh Jackson might be the leading scorer. We didn't know, you know, and it's easily Jeremy Grant now. And, you know, there was talk that we gave him way too much money. He was overpaid, everything else. Now he's underpaid. You know, he was close to being an all-star. So to me, it was Jeremy Grant in, in a very positive way that he's just exceeded expectations for what I personally thought he was going to be able to do this year. And yep. it's really funny, yep. though, too, like people were like, oh, man, he's overpaid. For Dude, sure. Denver was going to give him the same amount of money to do less you know, to play the same role that he played last year. 
and that was to be like you know third yep. fourth option. All right, so go out there, I'll let you defense, go. So now yeah, what's your number two? Number two, two surprise Again. of the season. Um, Sadiq Bay and his evolving offensive game. So when he was drafted, I I love the pick. I thought I'm like cool. He's going to be a solid three and D player. I um, saw comparisons to Jay Crowder. I watched him at Villanova, and I'm like. Dude, that's a perfect comparison. You rarely get those kind of perfect comparisons. I thought Jay Crowder was awesome, and I thought the comparison was great. And Sadiq Bey, though, biggest surprise, he can hit threes, I think, at over 40%. He can shoot the mid-range. He's starting to learn to pick on smaller guards in the post. Absolutely. He has outlived everybody's expectations. He's going to get really close to breaking the rookie three-point made record. And he's going to have 10 less games to do it because of the shortened season. So if he doesn't get it, it's probably only going to be because of that. So Sadiq Bey has been awesome. My number two, we're going to go back to Blake Griffin. And then that I just call it the Blake Griffin situation, the whole thing in general. Uh, before the season, Lance, Vlad and I were talking about the possible trades we could get for Blake Griffin. And I don't even want to say some of the ones we brought up because they would sound so ridiculous at this point. And I truly believe this. I... At, in a very, very smaller, lower scale, I think Blake Griffin did to the Pistons what James Harden did to the Rockets. He performed in a certain way to force our hand. He didn't want us to be able to trade him because he wanted to be able to choose where he wanted to go. And maybe he earned that right. I know there's some people, Andrew, who think that he has complete freedom to do whatever he wanted because of how he handled those those playoffs and maybe he does but you're right he, we got fleeced by Blake Griffin I, I'm tired of people telling me oh of course you can dunk yeah yeah did you watch the Pistons and watch him never dunk though if I mean if it was that obvious that he could why did it never happen like I get kind of frustrated that people tell me it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal that he's dunking, having put back dunks. He had a block the other night where he comes out of nowhere. So I think he was definitely sandbagging it. I think he was saving. I played I think he played the situation exactly how he had it planned out, which was I'll play in a way that is going to force me to get bought out and then I can go where I want instead of playing good enough that we could trade him. And I want to like just real quick uh talk just real quick about Blake Griffin. It's not just the dunking, in my opinion. It's the energy that he's playing within the effort he's giving the Brooklyn Nets. And I understand, yeah, you're playing for something a little bit more, but come on, man. Like, seriously, you really had to do that to Detroit. We embraced you. We, You were the biggest star in Detroit, like, at least in my eyes, for, you know, your short amount of time. We, you know, we wanted you to succeed. We gave... People yeah. defended Whatever. you. The, the part Even that when you bothered were, me the most, and then I'll let you get man, to you number you just, one, was when he then, dunked against the window, us so. and then said, I still man. got it, I still got it, and like stared down the bench. It's like, I said this a, f- a couple episodes ago. Yeah, Blake, we all freaking wanted you to still have it too whenever you were in Detroit. It's not like anybody was rooting for you not to have it. Like, you just never showed us that you had it. Exactly, and I'm sure there were other teams on Blake Griffin's list that he wanted to go to. It's like, dude, how about you just play a little bit better so we can... I mean, we knew Brooklyn wasn't going to give one of their big three up, but I mean... You know, we could have ended up with, I don't, I'd have to look at the roster. We could have ended up with somebody and maybe like a second round pick for you. It didn't have to <laughs> end right, the way it did. Number one but unfortunately, Blake Griffin is, you know, he's a traitor now to Detroit. Um, just the competitiveness, the competitiveness of this Detroit Pistons team. When the season started and I saw the roster, I'm like, all right. 
It's going to be a lot of bad losses. And, you know, there have been some of those sprinkled in. But for the most part, the Pistons have looked pretty good in almost every game that they've played in. They have been fighting down to the end. I mean, if you were gambling on them, they were a good team to bet on against the spread because they kept covering it. And they've just been competitive. Like that's, And they're worth watching, in my opinion. Even though a lot of like casual fans may not recognize the names on this roster, I promise you, if you tune into a Detroit Pistons basketball game with an open mind, you are going to be entertained so that's, that's, by the fight of these players in these games. So and that would be my number one surprise My number season. one is the rookie class in general. And you brought up Sadiq Bey. I'm going to also bring up Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, even Killing Hayes starting to show it a little bit now. Somebody tweeted out the other day, a Pistons fan, and asked, you know, when's the last time a team drafted four guys that were all on the roster the next year? And so I went and dove into it a little bit, and I found some, but it was like back in the 80s, and I may have missed some. But, I mean, there's a chance we got three starters out of this draft, Lance, and... Saban Lee, who could maybe end up being a second unit point guard as well. So I think this rookie class is the biggest surprise of the season for me. And CJ Marchisani um, from Twitter, who is a guy I follow. You guys need to follow him, CJ, um, on Twitter because he's a huge draft guy. So with the draft coming up, give him a give him a follow. He puts out tons of good content. But he asked, do you think Stewart is a possible long-term answer at center? And I think so. I think... You know, there, there's arguments, debates about whether Sadiq Bey or Isaiah Stewart are going to be the, you know, who has the higher ceiling, who's going to be better. And I think there's a legitimate, you know, it's a legitimate one because we just continue to see Isaiah Stewart get better and better. So, yes, to answer CJ's question, I think there, you know, Stewart is an answer there. I know Vlad doesn't think he can start because of how hard he plays, but he's going to give a lot of really good minutes at the four and five for this Pistons team for a long time. And I mean, don't you think like at some point Isaiah Stewart is going to figure out when to expel that energy on the court and learn to save himself? Like a lot of players eventually figure it out. And I think Isaiah Stewart, he doesn't seem like, you know, a stupid guy at all. Like he's doing it now because he's 19 years old and he's trying to prove himself in the NBA. So I, I think you're right. And I, to answer, um, CJ's question, I do think he's going to be a long term, I think he's going to be the long-term center for the Detroit Pistons. And, dude, you know how much I love Isaiah Stewart. I compare him to Bam Adebayo every time we talk. You say, hey, man, how you doing today? I'm like, oh, I'm man, like, Isaiah no, Stewart Lance, looks like Bam Adebayo. Like, That's you don't have to like our conversation. The- so <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm all I'm in on Isaiah Stewart. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in this rookie class, you were right. They are great. Um, I do think all these guys are going to be on the roster next season. I don't know how large their role is going to yeah, be, especially he, he brings a lot of juice and coming energy into next as well. season. So he looks like a guy. Just, it was a great be class. I think you could argue sure. it was the best draft class of anybody had in in totality. You know, obviously some other guy teams may have got an individual player that that's going to be better than any of ours. But overall, I think it was the best you know draft class in the association in the league this past year. So. With that, let's move on to Around the NBA land. So, you know, for those of you that haven't listened to the Everything Pistons podcast, you need to. And one of my favorite lines that they, and I always joke about is, they only talk about the Pistons. That's literally all they talk about. And it's kind of a ha-ha joke joke. But for the most part, they do just stick to the Pistons. So hopefully, Lance, you're excited here to get to talk a little bit of general NBA stuff with us in Around the NBA. And so... 
So the first topic we're going to bring up is the huge contract that Drew Holiday oh, got. Four years, $160 million with the Milwaukee Bucks. Is he worth it? Is it good for the Bucks? And before you go, Kendrick Perkins called him possibly the best two-way player in the game. <laughs> well, Kendrick Perkins is Plenty crazy. That guys. still belongs to like, I mean, honestly, like it still belongs Giannis, to like LeBron the guy James, on his team, maybe Kevin Durant. You know, yeah. There's just the guys that are at the top of the list. <laughs> they are usually the best two-way players. Yep, exactly. Like the only thing he can't do is shoot the three ball, but he's shooting it better than he ever has. So yeah, Kendrick Perkins is crazy. Um, but is Drew Holiday worth it? I don't know if he's worth four years in $160 million, but I mean, what choice do the Bucks have? You know what I'm saying? They're the Milwaukee Bucks. And Drew Holiday, he is good on both sides, but I mean he's a guy that averages 17, 5, and 4, I believe, with shooting splits of like 45, 39, and like I think 82% from the free throw line. Don't quote me on those numbers. But it's just, you know, and I get that he gets a lot of love from the other NBA players like J.J. Redick, Dame Lillard, and Kevin Durant have all come to Drew's defense when speaking up on how great he is at playing defense. I just I just don't know if he's worth it because Eric Bledsoe for three years averaged dang near the same numbers. I mean, the shooting percentages were a little bit worse, but we're talking about Drew Holiday as the best two-way player in the NBA, and then Eric Bledsoe, he made two All-NBA defensive teams while averaging 16 points a game. So I just think the Milwaukee Bucks made a trade, and the really, and honestly, honestly, the trade really didn't make a lot of sense when it happened. I think you and I were talking about that a little bit, and it's just, I don't know. I just don't know if he's worth four years, $160 million. That's like... That is multiple all-star money. I mean, if you think Drew Holiday is going to be good for the next four years and plays at a high level, then uh, yeah, I, you, you did I it right. Agree. But Lance, I just don't we think did, Drew we Holiday talked is about that trade four years, I think we talked million. about how Drew Holiday's numbers are better in the playoffs, and so and so maybe you justify it that way. And if, if, if somebody wants to tell me that Drew Holiday is definitely a better player than Eric Bledsoe, fine, I'll, I'll live with it. But you just paid him top 10, probably top 15 money whenever new deals happen. And to me, it's like, you better believe that Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday are going to win you a championship because you're locked into those guys for over $30 million each for the next three or four years. So that that's your core. And there's not a whole lot you can do outside of that. So that's my thing with it is... I think I don't believe that those three guys win you an NBA championship. But at the same time, I'm gonna I don't know what the other option was, as you said at the beginning, because they are a small market, what do they do? You can't just let him walk in free agency, but I just don't see him winning a championship with those three, Lance. No, neither do I, and I'm looking at um I'm just going to look, pull up some of his game logs for the past couple of games. and Okay, yeah, he's had some 28, 22, 33, 29. Okay, that backfired tremendously in my face. But I was just going to say, yeah, like, yeah. I, was gonna I mean, say he's four years, $160 million. Anymore. I want – I mean, Andy's 30 years old. We're not even talking about that point. And, I mean, and I think you're right. Do you really think this core is going to win you a championship? Because that's kind of what it seems like you're doing. When I think you could – just take that same money and just reinvest it out and just give you an overall stronger roster. I think they're putting, they're investing too much into Drew Holiday. And yeah, I just think 
when even though he is an elite defender, that is an ability and a skill that will fall off a lot quickly than he can at shooting. He's not an elite shooter either. So I don't know. I'm I don't know what other option they had. I think we talked about too about Malcolm Brogdon as well. I think that might have been the move a couple of years ago just to re-sign him because he's playing exceptionally well. And yeah, so Drew Holiday. Yeah, I don't know if he was worth the money. I, I, I really don't. I think it's going to play out, and they might get to an Eastern Conference Finals with him in these next four years. But even then, with the way Brooklyn plays, with the way Philly plays, when they're all healthy, it seems like a long shot. I just think the Bucks really had no option, and it's unfortunate for small market teams that they have to spend like this to even you know be relatively Absolutely. competitive. And I, I agree with you. In, you. You brought up you know, stats, which playoffs. is going to move so, us to our next topic in just think a second. Goes very but far. you've also brought up small market teams, and I just I, we can't get through the podcast through the episode without bringing up the talk. I don't think it's official yet, but Alex Rodriguez and a partner buying the Minnesota Timberwolves. So just real quick, Lance, before we move on, I'm not even going to give my take on it. You give your take on A-Rod possibly buying the Timberwolves and some chatter of possibly moving them to Vegas or even back to Seattle. There, Yes. So it was Alex Rodriguez and his partner, Mark Lohr. They finally, finally somebody did it. I'm so happy. Minnesota... Glenn Taylor does not deserve an NBA franchise for the way they wasted Kevin Garnett's talent, Kevin Love's talent, um, even Carl Anthony's talent as of to date. Like, it is just, it's a black hole for NBA players to go to. There's, yes, you know, have. the team, I, I feel like they've never tried to put a contender. And they've, they've been blessed with some great individual talent in Minnesota. So I'm so happy that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lore were able to come in and buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. The only thing I'm upset about is this feels kind of like a backstabbing to Kevin Garnett because a few years ago, he had put together a team of people to actually buy up to buy the team. And the big thing that was against him, I believe when it came to purchasing, they wanted the team to remain in Minnesota and he wanted to move the team I think to Seattle and they wouldn't let him buy. They wouldn't let him purchase the team, but now they're letting yup. And now they're letting Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lord purchase the team. And it looks like they're going to move the team to a new city. By the way, I would love the Seattle, the city of Seattle to get a team. It's a great (laughs) basketball city. And I mean, they deserve a professional team, but dude, I'm so excited (laughs) about the idea of Vegas having a team and I wish this would have happened in the nineties with tennis Rodman because I would love to see like well you know fifteen twenty rebound games where he's just would have had to fly to Vegas to get him if they you know, were already playing games there like he did would have in, saw in, more you know, of it, in the infamous so. obviously last dance story about you know whatever Rodman taking a ten day hiatus in in Vegas. So uh I just feel like that's a bad situation for professional athletes to be in. I know football has a team in Vegas now. Um but I think Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The aces. So, um, yeah, I just think Seattle needs one back. You know, I I think that's where they should go. And we've talked about expansion again, add it to the list for the next time you come on. And then we'll talk about our, our thoughts about the expansion, but I want to go into the, the, you, you brought up stats, Lance, um, with Drew Holiday. And you said it blew up in your face, but in fairness, Lance, just because you read off these certain stats doesn't mean that he played great or whatever. So last week, I kind of went on a little rant about empty the empty stats thing and that stats seems like now 
stats don't mean anything. At one point, they were everything. Now they don't mean anything. Like, it doesn't matter. It's the eye test. It's whatever. And I just was listening to the Everything Pistons podcast. I myself am a listener. I enjoy listening to you and Andrew. And I heard you bring up Andre Drummond. And there, he is the poster child for empty stats. So I, I just was curious your take on this topic. So when it came to Andre Drummond, it was we're getting these 20-point, 20 20-rebound 20 games. But it just even though he was putting up these incredible numbers, and they were great individual performances, don't get me wrong, they were fun to watch, but they just never moved the needle in the win column at all. And I don't want to be, I don't want to say that, I, I mean, stats matter. Like, somebody has to score. Somebody has to get rebounds. Somebody has to get assists. And I do agree with you. I feel like um, we, I feel like what happens now is, we no longer appreciate a great individual game. And maybe, I don't know if that's where you're going to head with your take on it or not, but I feel like we need to appreciate the individual game, but also at the same time, like, I don't want to praise a player just because he's putting up great numbers on a bad team when the effort in the win column is not there. Like, if Andre Drummond won a few more games, it's like, yeah, dude, if he had the right talent, you could say that. But it seems to always be the argument is, oh, he was just wasting away in Detroit. But if you watched him, there wasn't a whole lot of effort every time he played. And when he turned it on, he would – basically what I mean is – he could play at a high level all the time. He just didn't do it. He filled up the stat sheet to make himself look better than he really was. When I feel like if he had fine-tuned his game a little bit, he would have. No, um, yeah. They probably would have won a few more games in Detroit with him as the franchise no, guy. What, I don't know if I that like really answers that, your question or what you're you looking for. The but context that's that kind of I feel my like take on all these stats. arguments need to have. Like I just feel like we've gone overboard into. We've gone all the way to none of it matters. Russell Westbrook's triple doubles don't matter. It's empty stats. And I'm like, no, they matter a little bit. Like, you still have to have guys that do grab the rebound, do put the ball in the basket, do get an assist. I just think there's context around all of them. I'm not a all, you know, stats tell you everything guy by any means. I, I feel like you gave context around the Andre Drummond stats and, and kind of what you meant by it. I just think there needs to be more of that. Because Vlad and I talked about this. Just because you have 10 assists doesn't mean you're a great passer. Maybe you just play with really, really good shooters. You know, you might get three blocks a game, Lance, but how many offensive rebounds are you giving up on the backside because you leave your man and try to go block every single one and don't always get them? So there's context around every single stat, but they do tell you a little bit of a story still. Yes, yes. That was the thing with like I believe Hassan Whiteside. You he would like lead the league in blocks, but he was his team was so much they were worse with him on the floor defensively, even though he was leading the league in blocks. It was like because he's hunting for those stats. And I think that's kind of what I mean about empty stats. But also just to people listening, dude, you gotta appreciate Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double. There's a reason we haven't seen it since Oscar Robinson in like, what was it, like the late 60s, early 70s or something? We've never seen someone put a performance like that. And just because Russell Westbrook hasn't won an NBA championship doesn't mean he couldn't have won an NBA championship. It's just that sometimes, you know, you have to have all the cards fall in the right place in order to win. And, you know, sometimes players just have 
worse luck when it comes to the teams that they're on or, you know, the teams that they're playing against. That doesn't mean Russell Westbrook isn't a great player just because he doesn't have a ring. I mean, dude, he's like a he averaged a triple double for a season and his team was still winning when he did that. And yeah, he's still doing it for Washington, so true, but I mean, but you, dude, again, somebody has to do it. Lucky's not the you right know? word and for He's still showing what makes him a great player. Because it, it, I, don't, I don't mean it to diminish what teams do, but yes, like I said this to, so our, we had a really good team this year, the high school team I helped coach, and we, we, we came up short. And we told the guys, like, sometimes the ball just has to bounce your way. Like, you you can do – you have to do everything possible. You have to do all the right things, work your butt off, watch film, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just to give yourself a chance, Lance, to win a championship. And then sometimes there's just luck involved. They bank it in off the backboard or, you know, the ball bounces your way or you get the whistle that night or whatever it is. And so – Another one we need to add to our list next time you come on, Lance. I don't know who's keeping track of these. I don't know if we have a listener that is writing them down for us or what. But is this champ like championship? If you don't have a championship, you can't be a good player. Or, you know, you can't be an all-time great type thing. Like I just, that's another thing I feel like has kind of gone way overboard. So. Yeah, and, dude, and you're right too. Like I mean, look at Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. They were a shot away from losing that game to the Philadelphia 76ers. And then talk about luck when the Warriors, when, I mean, the San Antonio Spurs a few years ago looked like they were going to beat them with Kawhi as the main guy. But Zaza Pachula happened to step a little too out. And unfortunately, Kawhi Leonard had a bad ankle sprain and it just, you know, it cost them the series. And then you look at James Harden led Rockets. They were one of the best offensive teams the NBA has ever seen, but they missed 25 straight three pointers. You know, Yup, exactly, and even Chris That's Paul why, had a okay, few so times this is why where I brought it up, he was Lance. carrying why, some teams, okay, we, and we I hate when people tell me we Chris re- Paul's not a top gonna, five point guard. Uh, I, hopefully, oh, you enjoy this, it. and you'll come back on, and we're going to get into Chris Paul championship culture, all that stuff. We're gonna we, we have to do it because he's the exact reason I brought that up. So, I, I, <laughs> I, right. So I don't mean to stop you, but thank you. We, I just we will, oh we'll my save god, it. We'll you talk about a guy that's had some bad luck. The Jeez. next one, and, and our guest, Lance, I, I gave no, him some freedom to come up with some topics. So he came up with this one. And the Hawks set a record recently with for the most three-pointers in a quarter without a miss. They went 11 for 11. Previous record was 9 for 9. Excuse me, 9 for 9 by the Cavaliers. So here's our question. What basketball record, Lance, would you most like to see broken? No So I actually chance. have two of them. And... One of them is Scott Skiles, 30 assists in one game. Why? I why, would why do you want it? Why I you would want, love to Scott see Skiles that record most, be broken, but I don't know. That's I thought I Jason broken. I'm like, how does Scott Skiles have the assist record? Why is it not John No, Stockton? no, no. Well, he deserves it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he uh, – John Stockton has so many other things going for him. But, um, no, it's because, like, I played point guard growing up, and I loved – there was – I. I can't believe I'm actually about to say this, but this was in middle school. There was this kid on our team, and he always just – he's like, man, just let me get the first two baskets of the game. So me playing point guard, I would do the jump ball, but then I would play point. And I just remember running down, I see him streaking, and I loved hitting him in stride where he could just get an easy basket. So I fell in love with involving my teammates, and I would love to see someone just come out, you know, do the right thing, like, I thought it would be Jason Kidd that broke it, and then I thought it would be Rajon Rondo, and then That's I don't know who one. else I think would That's do it now, call. but 
I would love to see someone have more than 30 assists in one game. And this, um, the other one I would love to see, because I know nobody will ever break it, but Will Chamberlain <laughs> averaged 48.5 minutes per game in 1961 and 1962. And <laughs> this is this is crazy. So NBA games are 48 minutes long. Will Chamberlain played in every minute, including overtime during the 61-62 season. But... He got ejected in one game where he missed eight minutes. So that means he played 99.8% of his team's minutes during the season. And it's a record that will probably never get broken. The last time we had a guy that averaged over 40 minutes per game, it was back in the 2010-2011 season. And it was Monte Ellis. He he is like, I don't remember where he is on the list, but I know that Will Chamberlain dominates like the top seven, eight, or nine spots, and then it drops down to Monte Ellis for most minutes per game for a season. And forty-eight point five, never gonna are, happen. But I kind of oh feel God. like you know, I didn't cool put that would be to see somebody just being Iron Lance. Man. Like, you're me I don't care who it is. Show because those those are both really really good. That minute, I mean, the the assist one was a good pull, and then that minute per game one is that's that's <laughs> awesome. That's that was a great stat. So um, mine's gonna be. Three point makes by a single player in a quarter or points by a single player in a quarter. And I put because there's nothing like watching a great shooting performance, Lance. So you talked about being that distributor guy. I was a shooter in college and high school and all of that. Kind of a three point guy. I'm into the analytics of the three point shot. So both of those records currently are held by not a somebody the Pistons are a fan of, but Clay Thompson with 37 points and nine threes in the third quarter versus the Kings. So I just, to me, more so than a dunk, more so than anything else, watching somebody get in that zone and you can just tell, and this is why I'm such a huge fan of Steph Curry, because you can just tell in his body language when he's in that zone and I would just love to see someone hit like 12 threes in one quarter and drop whatever. That'd be 36 by itself. So 40 points or something. I just, it, it's an individual shooting performance like that. It just, it for me, I appreciate it and love watching it so much. No, I agree too. Like that, I remember that 37 points in a quarter game. <laughs> I, it was so much fun to watch. Clay Thompson was feeling it from everywhere. He's smiling up and down the court. I, I mean, like, he got it. Like, and you're right, man. When someone gets in the zone, and if you, and if as, as a former player, like, I'm sure you know what it's like to get in the zone, whether you're playing pickup or you're playing in high school or in college, when you get in the zone, it is just a different feeling. It doesn't matter whether you're shooting with your right hand or your left hand, you know it's going in. And that is like, not many people get to reach that that peak of basketball, and I would love to. I, I'm with you. I would love to see it again. I don't know who I'd want to yeah, see it break it though, but I, I should. I'm one of those I, Pistons I fans that loves Clay Thompson. Who, so who could that was do awesome it? Booker's to see him probably do that. the one, right? Like he's shown it, you know, to kind of catch fire. Um, yeah, I think Zach Levine just had a he had like a 32 yeah, point he, he, quarter a couple nights ago. No, no, he didn't even finish with the most points in the night. That belonged to Jason Tatum uh, with 53. Perkins, that was incredible. Uh, well, you know, but, took credit for yeah, Tatum's there's somebody now playing that so can know, do it. So. I believe for, he called him out. On, he called him out on Twitter, and so obviously Tatum took it to heart and bounced back. And, oh wow! And per- awesome. And then Perkins made sure and told everybody that he was taking credit for it. So, oh yeah. <laughs> Yep. 
Yep, that was the tweet where he was like, he didn't pout, he didn't cry, he didn't yep, whine, yep. he just showed up. And I'm like, dude, give I me guess. a break. So, Are you right, kidding me? It's Jason Tatum, he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, let our he's going to do his thing. For this week. You, you brought this up, and I think it's a great point. Does it seem like there's more losing streaks in this season than past season? The Bulls went on a six-game, Heat six-game, Knicks, Warriors, Kings three, Raptors lost 16 out of 19, Cavaliers, and then, of course, the Rockets 20-game losing streak. So we have about five minutes or so here left in the episode, Lance. What are, is your take on the possible reasons um, for these to, to be more prevalent than years past? Yes. Um, I think, well, one reason would probably be because of COVID. I think we can both agree on that. Just, um, you know, the uncertainty of, like, who's going to be playing, the testing. Probably for they contact have tracing normal stuff. Routines. Like, I think, like, only so many of them can be at a gym at one time. There's not exactly, and they, probably the chemistry's not there for some teams like it could be. But also, I think, like... The talent is so unevenly dispersed in the NBA. Some of these teams are just – like, I think it's like the Raptors. They have, like, four guys on their team that would just be on the G League roster right now. Same thing with, like, the Pistons and even the Rockets. Like, some of these teams just don't have full NBA rosters just because I just – I don't know. Like, I mean, it feels like all the talent is in just in a couple of these teams. Like, Los Angeles – Brooklyn, um, Boston has a lot of talent. Philly has a lot of talent. Milwaukee, even though I kind of made fun of their roster earlier, they have a lot of talent. It just seems like all in Miami, just seems like all the talent isn't just in just a, on a few teams and not just evenly dispersed throughout the NBA. So you just get I would agree with that. a league that's really top-heavy. You know, we talked about this earlier in the year. There were some ridiculous blowouts early in the year, and there was one even recently with the Warriors, you know, and I, I just I think no fans make you more prone to that COVID. So just all the things that COVID has brought in general, um, and obviously everybody across the world and all facets of life have, have felt the effects of that in you know one way or another. Hopefully we can get back to real you know completely normal soon. I, a couple other things I brought up: NBA tanking rules, okay, tanking in quotations, kind of encourage teams. All right, to to play harder. And so maybe like a a heat six game losing streak instead of it stopping at four games cuz the Pistons are purposely trying to lose, they go ahead and play hard that night. Does that make sense? Because it, every team just because you have the worst record doesn't mean you get the number 1 pick anymore. So so I think it's it, it it extends some of these losing streaks because you don't have teams that are purposely trying exactly. to lose every single night. I also think the NBA playoff format keeps more teams engaged. So again, you have teams maybe trying to win games that they wouldn't normally, and it extends some of these losing streaks longer. But I also think there's just some randomness to it. You know, the Heat six game they had injuries in COVID. The Warriors have injuries. You know, and then the Rockets. They traded James Harden, and then what, Christian Wood got hurt like two games after that or something. So they were playing with a really depleted roster because they just traded one of the best players in the league, and then their other best player, yep. Christian Wood, was out. So I think there's there's a little bit of randomness to this as well, but I think all those kind of things uh, play a factor together. I would agree. I think you you really hit the nail on the head with what you just said with the blowouts, the NBA tanking, the new NBA playoff format, and really just like the randomness of the right, season so with due to COVID. Before we, let, yeah, uh, before yeah, we end man, the show, Lance, I, I just I look ahead. With, 
we kind of had to record at a weird time tonight. This was, you know, it was on me with with my work schedule and stuff on this Sunday. So the, we're actually playing the Clippers as we speak. It's 62-63 game, but we play the Clippers again on Wednesday, Lance. The Thunder on Friday and the Wizards on Saturday. Sometimes to close out the show, we like to give just kind of one takeaway from the upcoming opponents um, or maybe something with the Pistons that you're interested to see this week. Anything, whether it's Sekou, Hayes, you know, the return of Jeremy Grant, you know, he's missed the past few games. Anything you're looking for um, with the next slate of games. Thunder on Friday, the Wizards Um, on Saturday. Remind me, they're playing the Clippers on Wednesday, and who else are they playing? Okay. Ooh, I'm interested to see what Killian Hayes can do against Westbrook. I'd like to see that matchup. That would be a little that would be fun for me. And then um yeah, that would probably be the biggest one. And then I'm looking forward to seeing how many former and current Pistons are gonna be on the floor against the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday. Cause I'm I'm now watching the game right now. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, those would probably be my for people that are listening to me, I like to kind of have kind of a joke like i'd like to joke around and add a little humor to podcasts so they're just they're just i i don't know i i don't think i'm like really a traditionalist when it comes to watching basketball i like to try to <laughs> point out funny matchups or different things that come into play so seeing eight nine former and current pistons on the floor is just going to be hilarious for sure. i know in its own right and we'll see who outperforms lot, so each I'm other in that game. To who deserves to be on the, the pistons game or not. and see if he's going bananas yet or not so um but with that said, Lance, thank you for joining us, for joining me, for for filling in for Vlad. Um, really appreciate it. We definitely have you back if, if you want to, and I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, no, dude, I would love, love to come back on your podcast. I love talking hoops with you, Bryce. But real quick, I want to remind everybody, you can check out our podcast, Everything Pistons, on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. And, man, give me a follow on Twitter, at Lance Caparossi. Um, Bryce is always tagging me and stuff. I'm always tagging him and stuff. Look for our names and give us a follow if you want to talk Hit up Motor City Hoops. Hit up Everything Pistons Podcast. Follow Lance and, you know, Everything Pistons Podcast on Twitter. And just thank you to our listeners again, Motor City Hoops at Twitter, Motor City Hoops at Facebook, Motor City Hoops Pod on Instagram. You can check us out on Apple, Spotify, and at our website. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Lance for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.